submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Thank you. Just in a personal way, um, this passage of scripture is so powerful. Um, we're going to look at it over two weeks. So we're looking at it today, and then we'll look at the second half of it uh, next week. Uh, it's so um, amazing in my life. Uh, you know, the, the number one relationship in my life is Jesus Christ my relationship with him and uh, how I've grown in my relationship with Christ. But uh, I will tell you that being married is a very close second. Uh, I don't mean that in any negative way toward my relationship with Christ, but uh, it kind of it works together. It flows together. If you're married, you, you, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And so this passage is very um, vital and uh, meaningful in us understanding not only our relationship with our spouses or our understanding of marriage in general, but also uh, in relationship uh, to, our, to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, so, you know, in the, in the culture today, divorce is still a huge family problem. Um, you know, marriage is questioned by many and more couples are uh, living together, cohabitating together, and even having children without marrying. Some have even questioned, is marriage really necessary? And with the legal redefinition of marriage, now allowing for same-sex marriages across the globe, how should Christians, how should the church conduct ourselves in relationship to marriage? Um, this amazing scripture from Ephesians 5. Uh, we affirm that marriage has been instilled within humanity and into the fabric of human society by our loving creator to bring us together in love and to prepare our hearts for the love of Christ. You know, you know that we didn't invent marriage. We didn't invent love. We didn't invent relationships. God created all of that right from the very beginning. It was his idea. It was his guidance to us. So it is important for us, it's still true that marriage conducted by Christians God's way is the glorious demonstration in the heavenly realms of the triumph of his plan to bring all things together under Christ. This is his plan. You know, lately... We see that sometimes marriage is seen as a battlefield or a battleground. I hope you don't see your marriage like that. It's not a battlefield. It's a place of triumph for us as we are able to witness to our world what the relationship between a believer and Christ is by modeling that through our marriage relationships. That's the passage that we're talking about. So... It's a powerful illustration of Christ's unconditional and covenant love for his family and for his church. So for all of us, whether we're single or married, divorced, 
widowed, or whatever we consider the condition of our perspective about marriage. This passage is right from the heart of God and speaks of the things that we hope for in our relationships. It celebrates the intimate spiritual union of all believers with Christ. One day, we will all be united with him in the ultimate marriage made in heaven. So what we look together today in these next two weeks is not just a section for married people, but Paul says in verse 32, right near the end of this whole section, I'm talking about Christ and the church. What that means is that this passage is not just a passage explaining marriage. This is a passage about Christ and our relationship and how marriage impacts and illustrates uh, that for us. Uh, so right from the beginning, we have to realize that this passage uh, highlights, you know, it's got, it's got information for wives and those that might become wives. It's about husbands and those that might become husbands. He concludes uh, with talking about reflections about the mystery uh, of marriage. So this, this passage is really important for our culture. It's a foundational expression about marriage. Um, sometimes people are confused about it. You know, maybe for the first time in kind of Western civilization in, in these last decades, we have noticed that we are having to explain what marriage is, explain what family means. Up until now, it had been considered a normal family made up of a father, a mother, and maybe a possible number of children. But in recent years, it's been viewed that there are multiple choice options uh, to marriage. So what is, what is the idea of biblical marriage? Well, marriage is an exclusive heterosexual covenant between a man and a woman, ordained and sealed by God, preceding proceeding from the leaving of our parents, consummated in a sexual union, issuing a permanent, mutual, supportive partnership, and sometimes crowned with the gift of children. That's a beautiful idea, isn't it? Uh, in addition, you know, in the midst of that, God not only affirms singleness and the goodness of marriage, but we realize that the perspective is related to how we look at our relationship with Christ. So today, in this first part, uh, we are looking at uh, some words that are amazing, uh, some words that are directed toward wives. You know, I was thinking about that, that, you know, if I wanted to say something about wives, I might could just say, hey, you're all awesome, the end. And, and walk away. Uh, that probably would take care of it, wouldn't it, right there? Uh, but, um, you know, I wasn't really nervous about this, but I was just thinking about myself. Like, um, in case you hadn't noticed, I'm married to a woman. I am not a woman, and I will never be a wife. Uh, you know, as, as you think about this incredible passage, he's got information to wives and women and husbands and men uh, for us to, to be working on it. Aren't you, aren't you excited about this passage today? Aren't you excited at home? Maybe some of you thought last week, oh, he's going to talk about marriage. Um, no, marriage is, uh, is so important for us to think about it right, to get our minds on it right. 
I was meeting with a couple this week and I was reminding them of why we did premarital counseling. Uh, I don't know if you had that or not. And um, uh, two things I told them. One was that premarital counseling is so important because you, you got to work at it. You got you to figure out sort of a plan of how this is going to work out. You know, I, uh, he, was, he was talking about a job situation, and I mentioned something like this to you before. You know, if he's going to get this new job, uh, he's going to have to do some, some preparation. He's going to have to probably go to a class. He's going to have to do something. But sometimes with marriage, we just say, well, I got this. It's all fine. You know, have a, you're, going to have marriage, you're going to have a marriage like your parents did? Like some of you might say, ouch, on that one. Uh, the other thing I told them was that a lot of times we think about counseling, so we do premarital counseling, and then the next time you think about counseling is you wonder if you're going to be able to make it because you're in your whatever year and things aren't going so well. You know what I told them? And I tell this to a lot of people. You should think about counseling while you're doing good. You know, have you ever heard anybody say, Pastor, we're doing so great, so we're coming to see you. I think that's the way it ought to be, right? It's while we're doing well that we, we kind of nurture that wellness and that, uh, that goodness. And I'm not, I'm not looking for a lot of extra work, but I'm certainly happy for me and my staff to be able to support you in the positive parts of your relationship. It's that important, right? So that's, that's kind of the spirit of what we're talking about here is we're thinking about this together. So as we, as we look at it, what I want you to do is to, to, to grasp what God's plan is for marriage. Hey, how about this? What is God's desire and plan for your marriage? You know, all I really want to understand is what the Bible says. So I'm not just looking for some kind of uh, psychological help from the things of the world. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, uh, I wrote this prayer. You know, you can pray with your eyes open. Is that all right? All right. So here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, please guide my words and our thoughts today. Help each of us understand our God-given roles in marriage, whether we're married or want to be married or will never be married, but want to support our friends in marriage. Open our hearts and our minds as you teach us and plan for us. Amen. That's a great prayer. All right, let's, so let's understand this, uh, this scripture. Um, you know, the, the, the way that you understand this scripture really defines how we understand what he's talking about here. So I, I noticed uh, when I was preparing for this that uh, looking at different, I always read different translations and try to kind of understand what's going on there. And one thing I noticed is that uh, many Bibles have headings in their Bibles, uh, you notice that, like if you read the NIV, there's a little heading kind of there. Well, those headings were not put there by God. Uh, those were um, men's way of kind of dividing things up, making scripture more readable or kind of understanding what's happening there. Well, you'll notice if you read several different translations, the heading for this scripture is in two different places. Some put the headings right before verse 21 like the NIV does, where it says um, instructions for Christian households, and then it begins with verse 21. Some translations uh, put 18 to 21 together, 
And then verse 22 begin, begins to be the first word of this section, which says, wives, submit to your husbands. Um, the, the one we're looking at today and the way Kim read from was the, the beginning verse is verse 21. Um, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about this, uh, what's going on in this passage. Uh, you remember last week we talked about being filled with the Spirit. Did you have a good week thinking about being filled with the Spirit? Uh, that, because I think that is the motivation for what we're learning about here today. I told you last week that filled with the Spirit was an imperative, like it was a command that he was giving to us. And it flows right into this concept of being submissive, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I thought it'd be helpful. Would you just say that with me? Uh, you ready? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wow, that's such a powerful principle. So what, what I'd like you to do is to think with me about the connection between being filled with the Spirit and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he's uh, helping us to understand, to listen and understand what he's talking about here. And he's recognizing or helping us to recognize that being filled with the spirit and submitting go together. They go together. What, what I'm trying to say here is that the best ways, the best way to learn to live out the spirit filled life is in relationship to submission to submission. Now notice we're not talking to wives yet. We're not talking to husbands. He's giving us a general perspective about this. Um, you know, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the, what people think is the controversy of these verses, but you have to understand what he's trying to say. He's saying that if you're filled with the spirit, you're going to learn what it means to be submissive. Uh, I'm talking about submissive to Christ. Uh, I'm talking about being submissive to other people in our life. We are in the, the least submissive uh, time in our society that I can ever remember. Would you say that? I mean, everybody, like I heard about these people the other day that had this little bump up and they described it as a very soft bump up. Do you know what? They almost had a fight right there. Don't raise your hand on that one. I did, you know, it, it, stuff happens to us and we're like immediately defensive. Like somebody's after us or out to get us or doesn't agree with our position. Oh, Facebook is the worst, right? I mean, there's never been anything related to submissive. No, that's, that's pretty harsh. Uh, but there, there's not a lot of submission going on on Facebook, uh, especially in relationship to politics and all those things. But see, can you see in this passage how he's talking to us about when you are filled with the Spirit, you're able to do something that is not really natural for us. Our natural response is to fight, defend our ways. But he's saying, here's the principle, submit yourselves to one another in reverence for Christ. So he doesn't just say submit just because he wants you to be a doormat in the world around us. No, he's saying something has happened to you in your relationship with Christ that allows you to deal with people and situations in the world totally different than anybody else. Come on. That, that, that's what's happening in this passage. And so with, within the church, we are filled with the spirit as we 
submit to one another. So you saw the, the key principle there. We are called to be filled with the Spirit and to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that, that right there changes everything for us because it reminds us of who we are in every situation. So at your job, uh, there's a spirit of submissiveness in reference to Christ. Uh, that doesn't mean that you don't disagree with people or you don't have disagreements in your marriage. It means what is my attitude? What is my mindset in dealing with this in, in reference to, uh, to other people? Am I? Because the truth is, there will be no peace in your home. There will be no peace in the church. There will be no peace in your life without learning what submission means, without giving. Uh, so the, the way I tried to explain this today is uh, eight different statements. I'm not going to preach big points about all these, but just eight different statements that we could get in our head that help us to clarify this passage. Now, number one is exactly what I've been talking about so far. Number one is we are all called to submit uh, to one another. So th that becomes uh, a place where you decide, this is where I stand. I'm, I'm going to learn what it means to be su submissive. Now, there's probably some of you watching, some of you may be sitting here that fight against that. You know, I'm, I'm not submitting to anything, Pastor. Uh, well, I'm telling you that, that, that I'm not really interested in what my opinion is or even what your opinion is. What is God's opinion? What is his desire for us? And he connects being filled with the spirit and being submissive. Now, number two, number two in this passage, beginning with 22nd, 22nd verse is that God calls wives to submit to their husbands. Um, now, in our culture, some people fight against that and even say it's offensive. Um, I remember a, a wedding one time where, uh, you know, how the reception they have these people stand up and give speeches or whatever. And so the, um, I think it was the sister-in-law uh, of the, the groom got up and made, made this speech. And it was pretty miraculous. And, and she was so spirit-filled. And so she reminded them, her own sister-in-law, about uh, her submissiveness to him as, uh, as a husband. You know, I thought, I thought she was phenomenal. And shared this, and she she spoke it so well. So a couple of days later, I uh, I run into uh, this lady that is at the um, that was at the wedding, and she was not a believer. Uh, and so she said, "What was that? Did you hear her talking about her sister-in-law being submissive to that man she was marrying?" She said. Where did that all come from? Is that true? And at first I was, you know, had that moment of like, yikes, what am I going to say here <laughs> in this moment? And then it just reminded me so clearly, God teaches this in the word of God. It's true. So the, the key is then what, what does it mean? You know, I think Honestly, maybe Gordon can help me with this, but I think honestly, people have taken what the Bible has said and totally messed it up and took what is being said there as a uh, defense or a weapon rather than really taking time to learn what is he talking about here? What's going on here? So first of all, if you're all worried about it, um, 
submission is called for by both the man and the woman because he just said it to all of us. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So now he's just given an example of how do, we, how do we deal with this relationship. So number three that helps bring clarity is that submission recognizes and affirms both leadership and responsibility. Leadership and responsibility. Here's 23. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. You know, I've heard some people, some guys sometime that like to weigh this over their, their spouses. And I've heard them say, husband is the head of the wife, but they always leave out the last part as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. So what he's talking about is he's explaining the grounds, kind of the reason, the relationship that's involved in here. Now the word head there can mean this thing that sits on top of your body. Or in a figurative way, it can mean the source of something. So like Ephesians 1.22, earlier in the book, we saw it said, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him as the head over everything for the church. So that idea is the idea of a source. So what he's talking about here is recognizing that the the man has leadership and responsibility uh, in the relationship. He's talking about that there's a, this notion of leadership and provision. You know, Christ gave us guidance, direction, sustenance as his people. He is the head as the leader, but it also bears uh, responsibility. He offers us strength and help and provision that he offers to us. So he's recognizing uh, that, that in Christ, we are modeling after Christ. Uh, you know, when we, we moved a few times, um, I was thinking the other day about the houses that we've lived in. And uh, I remember, you know, one time uh, we got this telephone call from somebody and they were talking to us about moving to this place. And, uh, you know, so I talked to them and then, you know, we're praying about it and thinking about it. Finally, I said, what, 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 what do you think, honey? What, what, what do we want to do? And she was a little hesitant. And I thought, well, if you, wanna, if you don't want to go, we're not going. And she said, uh-uh, mm-mm, you are not laying that on me. I am, that is not my decision. You got to decide what God wants us to do. And then I'll wrestle with God and figure out how I can be happy with it. Right? I mean, it's no pretending that, but you got to figure out how is this going to be accomplished? So recognizing that that might not be your experience of moving somewhere, but you got decisions to make and choices to make, and you have to figure out how are we going to accomplish that? So it, it involves leadership and responsibility. Now, let's, let's deepen it just a little more. Number four, submission is always saturated with respect. Submission is always saturated with respect. Uh, later in verse 33, he says, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself and his wife must respect her husband. So submission and respect go hand in hand. Good preaching, pastor. Uh, they go hand in hand. So it is a good gauge. Respect is a good gauge of mutual submission. 
So if she and I, if one or both of us is mocking, disrespectful, chastising, chances are that we are not submissive and respectful of one another. But if, but if I'm respectful of her, if she's res- respectful of me, it creates an honoring in our relationship. How, how do you do with honor? Do you know that you can honor even if you disagree? That's a good one. Because every, we don't agree about everything. We have to discuss things. We have to figure things out together. But we can do it in a, in a respectful way that brings uh, honor uh, to God. So this, this whole idea of respect is, uh, you know, what's, what's Paul talking about here? You know, the, uh, the idea is the, uh, the husband respects the wife and the wife respects the husband. Um, you know, it doesn't say that you submit to or you respect in, a, in the same way every single man on the planet. It doesn't say every woman on the planet. You know, there is a huge difference between how I'm, how I'm dealing with everybody in general. Now, he wants me to love everybody, but I really got to get it right, at least in one spot. I got to figure out respect in that one spot for sure. Now, you, you know I'm not saying be disrespectful to everybody else, but I have a responsibility to be respectful and love her and care for her in a completely different way than every other woman in the world, right? And that's true for you and for the men in your life. There's for sure the one. Now, that doesn't seem so hard, does it? Well, you might say, well, you don't know the one, Pastor. Well, um, honestly, this is what God said. This is, this is his plan. So we got to figure it out. Maybe, maybe we're not where, we're, where we want to be or where we should be because of the way that we've uh, struggled. You know, maybe the question would be, well, why would he say, wives respect your husbands and husbands love your wives? You know, well, well really submission and love are kind of the same, aren't they? They're very similar. I mean, what what does it mean to submit? Submit means to give up yourself to somebody else. I I think love means that too. To give yourself up for somebody else, for their feelings, for for your thoughts about them. So such an important understanding of submission. Leadership, responsibility, respect. Number five. Submission is not the same as obedience. Submission is not the same as obedience. Um, You know, I think it needs to be said to uh, all present and future husbands in the room or online, husbands, you are not called to, to make your wife submit to you. I didn't get any amens at all. Men are not called commanded to make wives submit to them. That doesn't appear in the Bible anywhere. Um, Next week, we're going to look specifically at that role, but it calls us to love your wife completely sacrificially and not enforce uh, her submission. Here's my best thought. 
When you give your life for your wife, when you sacrifice the way that Christ did, then you can say something. Otherwise, do what he says. He says it in relationship to that. How do, how do I measure up in relationship to what Christ has done for the whole world? Not just for one, but for all of us. And so I put myself in that perspective and think about what kind of, how am I going to respond uh, respectfully uh, to, to our spouses, uh, to one another. So submission is not about petty demands or petty disagreements. Do you know the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. You know, most people think that verse is just for men. It's not true. It's Proverbs 27, 17. Husbands and wives should make decisions together, to work together, to understand how to build this relationship. You know, Paul does use the word obey in this scripture, but it's not in this passage. In Ephes you're going to love this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, children, obey your parents, for this is right. That's pretty good. We, we know we, we are expected to parent in that way, that there's obedience. But it never says, wives obey your husbands or husbands obey your wives. But it does say, be submissive. Be respectful uh, of one another. Now, submission, this is number, um, number six. Submission has its limits. Submission has its limits. So verse 24 says, wives should submit to their husbands and everything, but elsewhere in the Bible, it says, as to the Lord uh, in Colossians 3.18. So uh, we are called uh, to, there, there to be a spirit of submission to one another. Um, the sad thing that I need to say is that physical abuse, emotional abuse, Sexual abuse, verbal abuse is always sinful. Always sinful. Wives are not called to submit to a man who is abusing you. And honestly, I could tell you that you have an advocate with us. Like you talk to me, you talk to one of our staff, uh, you talk to somebody here. Uh, we're going to be, you know, domestic violence in the home has no place in the church. We got to stand up and support uh, one another in, in that. So recognizing uh, that it has its limits there because marriage is better, it's number seven, when we live it out God's way. So uh, Kim's going to play for us. As we're moving toward the end of this sermon, I wanted you to think about uh, a wedding. So she's going to play a little wedding music for us. Uh, as, as she does that, I'd like you to think about uh, how, in a way of an illustration, that taking communion is such a beautiful part uh, of that. So what, what I mean by that is that this, this illustration about marriage is designed to help you have a better marriage and a better relationship with God. Those things are combined. So submission is for Jesus. Submission is not for my wife. Submission is not for me. Submission is for Jesus. My relationship with him transforms these other relationships, including this picture of marriage. You see, this illustration is the ultimate 
picture of marriage. Wives express a picture of the church to the world. You hear us sometimes say, we are the bride of Christ. Isn't that amazing? He puts it in marriage language. The husbands give a picture of Christ to the world. Christ is the head. He is the the one who loved us, gave himself for us, sanctified us, cleansed us, presented uh, his church and provides and cares for us. He reminds us. The illustration gives us uh, really the ultimate purpose of marriage, namely glorifying Christ. As to the Lord, he says, as Christ loved the church, So while it's important for us to work through things like communication, financial problems, personality tests, issues, things of our past, and all kind of other marriage issues, let me remind you that the ultimate issue in marriage is are we surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? Are we surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? That discussion right there could change your marriage. It's really difficult when there's only one side, but you still are called to live in the Lordship of Christ, to let that aroma of Christ be in your marriage, your relationships. Finally, this illustration about marriage gives us amazing hope for our marriages. You know, Christ died for the church, which displayed, uh, recognized that we were sinful people and are saved by his grace. You know, the biggest problem in marriage is sin. Sin. The ultimate solution is the grace of Jesus. Because marriage is not just a social contract. It is rooted in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who is gracious and who offers us great hope. Wouldn't it be great today, as we take communion in just a few moments, to think there is such hope for my marriage. I've been married to her for 38 years. It's great. There's some of you. I send anniversaries out every single day. Happy anniversary over there, yeah. 33, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, To 50s, 60s, 9s, 2s, it's awesome. I pray for them, and I pray for you. Maybe you've never been married, but maybe one day will be. How you figure out what you believe about marriage will transform the kind of marriage that you have. And if you are married, today thinking about that relationship, recognizing that where do you go when you feel like your marriage is struggling? You don't go to alcohol or deer hunting or work or pornography or hanging out with the girls. You go, those are, you go to the Redeemer. You go to the Savior. And he says that his relationship with you is sort of like your relationship in marriage, that you come together with him So uh, let's stand together. When when you got married, you probably stood up somewhere, maybe in front of a church like this, or maybe wherever it might have been. But I'm pretty sure you stood and you joined hands together and you made a commitment. Most of the time, 
that you would commit yourself for the rest of your life. Every time I do a wedding, I always say to the guy, in light of all this stuff I just said, which is similar to what I'm talking about today, in light of all that stuff, will you have this woman to be your wife? And he has to say, I will. I'll do it. I'm committed. We haven't even said the vows yet, but he's already said, I'm in. And then I turn to her and I say, in light of all that, will you have this woman? Will you choose her to be your wife for the rest of your life? And she says, I will. And then I say, we can, we can now go to the vows. We can say vows because you've committed yourself. That's what we're doing this morning, right? This is like a, this is like a little wedding ceremony. Every time we commit ourselves, he says, I want, you're my bride. You're my people. You're the one that I'm committed to. I've given myself to you. If you ask Jesus, will he build with you? Will he be with, with you forever? Will he be your savior? And he said on a cross, I will. So he said, do this in remembrance of me. This is your moment to say, will you have him? Will you commit yourself to him? Will you trust him? Or maybe you said it hundreds of times, but this morning we get to say it again. We even got wedding music to kind of help us. So this piece of bread is a reminder that Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He is so willing to continue to be your savior, to be the Lord of your life. Will you commit yourself to him? If so, Let's eat this bread in Jesus' name. So we come to the, the juice. Again, it's our reminder, the commitment he's made, his shed blood on our behalf. And today we get the opportunity to say yes, to say I do, to say I will. I love you. I know you love me. But I love you, and I drink this in remembrance of what you've done for me and in my response to say, I will. Let's drink together in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, thank you for, thank you for this scripture. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this thought process. Lord, I pray that all of us here will consider our marriages, fresh and new. Or consider what marriage might mean for me. Maybe it would impact the person that I choose to be married to. Lord, maybe, maybe marriage has been a struggle for some. I just pray that today would bring such an encouragement to them that they have this relationship with Christ, that we are his bride, his people. Lord, specifically here, I, I, I know that there have been some marriages that have struggled because of COVID over these months. So much time together, maybe being together and working from home, whatever it might be. But Lord, I pray today that we would commit ourselves to you and to our marriages that we wouldn't just kind of pretend that we weren't here today 
or that we weren't watching and listening online. Today, help us to talk about our marriage and not in a defensive way, but in a submissive way. Giving of myself for the love of my spouse and doing it out of reverence for Christ. Lord, I pray that the good, great marriages that are happening would get even better. I pray that for mine and for many others. But I know, Lord, in the sound of my voice, that there are many marriages that are struggling today. Oh God, heal us. Oh God, help us to talk and to pray and to work together and to allow you to help us to solve our struggles. Lord, if there are marriages that are kind of on the ropes, we pray that you would heal our marriages, change our mind, change our perspective, do something within us, Lord. Lord, a saved, healthy marriage transforms generations in our families. So we pray for your help. Guide us and help us to understand what it means to submit ourselves to one another in reverence for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.